0: Thank you guys. Good morning, everyone. As Dan was saying earlier on that uh, today is uh, week two in a short four weeks uh, series entitled Be Bold. And uh, this morning we're going to be focusing on being bold in our prayers. Uh, Last week we learned that boldness is a behaviour born out of belief. Boldness is a behaviour born out of belief. That is, what you believe determines how you behave. And if you're a person who has a great big God, one for whom nothing is impossible a God who can do immeasurably more than you ask or imagine, a God who is a loving Father who desires to bless His children with good gifts, then we can have confidence in coming to Him and therefore we can be bold. And last week's uh, talk, uh, 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 sorry, this week's talk runs on from last week's talk. So for those who weren't around, and quite a few of you I think, um, let's have a quick recap on where we headed last week. Well, first of all, we based our study on Acts chapter 3 and Acts chapter 4. We read there the story of Peter and John that they were going to the temple to pray. It was about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And they were confronted by a 40-year-old man who had been crippled since birth. And um, he asked them for some money. And uh, Peter told the man that he didn't have any money to give him. But he said to the guy, what I have, I will give you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And we read that Peter took him by the hand and he stood up and he walked and leaped and praised God. And uh, this drew a crowd. And um, people in the crowd asked about what happened to this, um, this man Um, give uh, Peter an opportunity. And Peter said to them, why do you stare at us as if by your own power or godliness we have made this man walk? It is by faith in the name of Jesus that this man was healed. And, um, you know, that sort of thing happening in the middle of a city, as you can well imagine, you know, a crowd of people would have gathered there, including the Sadducees, who heard that Peter not only accused the crowd of um, uh, conspiring to crucify Jesus with the Romans, but also since then God had raised Jesus from the dead. Now that detail would have irritated the Sadducees like mad because they didn't believe that there was a resurrection of the dead. So next thing that we read was that Peter and John were imprisoned and the following day they were brought before the Sanhedrin, which was the highest court in Israel, And it was an incredibly threatening, intimidating place for them. And they were again asked, by what power or what name did you do this? That is, heal this man who had been a cripple since birth. And the Sanhedrin asked the question and Peter certainly answered it. And this is what he says. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth Whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Now, I tell you, and we were saying about this last week, that took incredible bottle. You know, that was off the scales courage for Peter and John to say that. Because they were speaking to the people who had conspired to put Jesus on the cross just some weeks before, conspired with the Romans. And these people also had the power to get them killed as well. So how did the Sadducees react to that? Uh, well, that's, that's where we pick up the story this morning, okay? So we're reading from Acts chapter 4, verse uh, 13. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and they conferred together. What are we going to do with these men? They asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they have performed a notable sign and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them. they could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, They said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Just stop there for a moment. That's an incredible uh, start to a prayer, isn't it? Uh, Great place to start our prayers by fixing our thoughts on the the greatness of God. And by saying sovereign Lord, they were actually declaring that God, we believe that you're in charge. You're in charge. You're the one with the final say. We believe you not to be a small God, but a great God, the one who created the heavens and the earth and the seas. You know, see, and that's why in Tamuth Elim, we start on a Sunday morning with declaring the praises of God, proclaiming his greatness. Uh, And in doing so, we're not only bringing pleasure to God, but we're reminding ourselves of the kind of God that we are worshipping, one for whom nothing is impossible, You know, we don't sing songs that we've been doing for the first part of the service this morning because it is our tradition. I suppose it is a bit of our tradition. There's nothing wrong necessarily with tradition. But it's not just because of that. And it's not just to fill in the time. But it's to declare to God his greatness. And for us to remind ourselves whose presence we have come into this day. And then Luke (laughs) <laughs> tells us in this uh, scripture that um, the believers raise their voices together in prayer to God. And the prayer goes on and um, for the next few verses, but I want to come to the next part of the prayer in verse 29. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders, through the name of your holy servant Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Now the key, as I said already to last week, uh, last week's talk, was boldness is behaviour born out of belief, and today has a key thought as well, and it's this: what we pray for reflects what we believe about God. What we pray for reflects what we believe about God. Now, if you're a person that doesn't pray at all, now that reflects at worst that you probably don't believe in God. Or at best, you don't believe in a God who answers prayer. If you only ever pray small prayers, that might reflect that you don't believe in a God who can answer big prayers. If all of our prayers are focused on ourselves... Bless me, help me, comfort me, be with me and my family. It might, believe, it might be that you believe that uh, God is there to serve you. There was once a famous prayer by a man named John Ward from Hackney. And it was included actually in one of the, the London newspapers a hundred years ago. And this was the prayer. Oh Lord, thou knowest I have nine houses in the city of London and likewise that I have lately purchased an estate in the county of Essex. I beseech thee to preserve the counties of Essex and Middlesex from fire and earthquake. And as I have a mortgage in Hertfordshire, I beg thee to have an eye of compassion on that county. As for the rest of the counties, thou mayst deal with them as thou art pleased. <laughs> o oh Lord, enable the banks to answer all their bills and make all my debtors good men. You see, whether that was a true prayer or not, uh, probably not. But it brings out a point here that God desires that we don't just pray about ourselves and our needs, our lives, our ambitions, our desires. And we need to remember that we are part of God's family together and that we are part of a much wider world. And I just wonder if we could see the heavenly transcript of our prayers over the last month, I just wonder, would they be filled with me, my, and mine? Would they be mainly focused on us, our needs, and our situations? What we pray reflects what we believe about God. I've lost count of the numbers of times that I've had a conversation with someone who's gone through a really tough, trying, difficult time In their life and they've struggled to do everything that was within their power to win through but then they've said something like well I've tried to do everything to sort this problem out so I suppose all I can do now is pray. I sort of understand where they're coming from but I also ask myself why is prayer so often viewed as the last resort for those who are Christians? Okay Let's come back to our text for this morning, uh, the prayer that Peter and John and their friends prayed in Acts 4.29. Let's uh, put that up. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And in this prayer, we see that these early Christians prayed Two quite incredibly bold prayers. And I wonder, are they prayers that any of us have prayed recently? The first prayer that they pray, as you can see there, it's it's on screen. The first prayer is a prayer for more boldness. Now, Lord, Peter says, consider their threats. Well, what was he talking about there? Whose threats? Well, I think that he was talking about the Sanhedrin, this uh, Jewish high council. What were the threats? Well, we're not told. But I think that we can safely assume that the threats were a beating up, being put in prison, and probably having their lives taken from them for being followers of Jesus. Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Wow. You just catch that. They were threatened with being beaten up, imprisoned, possibly being martyred for their faith in Jesus, and what do they pray for? (laughs) They pray for more boldness. I'm pretty sure that if I was in that situation, I would not have prayed for more boldness. I think I probably would have prayed for protection, or maybe for God to sort out my enemies, But they prayed for more boldness. Isn't boldness what got them arrested in the first place? You know, if I'd been counselling them, I probably would advise them to lay low for a little while. And I would have said to them, you're not going to be any use to Jesus if you get killed. That's probably what I would have said. But these guys prayed for more boldness. Can I ask you a question? Is that a prayer that you've ever prayed? I don't want to show off hands or anything like that. A prayer for more boldness. Now, if I was asked that question personally, I probably would answer, confession is good for the soul, no, I've not ever prayed for more boldness. And if I'm asked the question, why I've never prayed for more boldness, probably because I've never thought about it. Maybe that's your case as well this morning. You've never thought about Asking the Lord for more boldness. It may not be the reason that you've not prayed that. Maybe the underlying reason for you is that you've thought about it and it's a kind of scary prayer to pray, isn't it, for more boldness? Because if we pray for more boldness, that might mean that we might have to do something which is bold. Yeah? Yeah? If you're going to pray for... That follows, isn't it? You know, my reasoning's right there, isn't it? You know, if you're going to pray for more boldness, then you might have to do something which is actually bold. God forbid. And what would we want to do that for? We quite like our comfortable Christianity. We might applaud boldness in other people. We might say of Jackie, we think you as a single girl that you're serving God out in Malawi, that's wonderful, and we applaud you, and we think you're brilliant. But, you know, boldness is always for other people. Maybe we're quite happy with the f- our, our form of cultural Christianity where our prayers can be quite self-centred. Lord, help me to give a good presentation at work this week. Lord, help, let my football team win today. And if you're a blue supporter, you probably need all the help you can get. <laughs> Lord, help me get a raise from my boss. Heal grandma's ingrowing toenails. In Jesus' name, I pray that the pimple of my nose will disappear before the party on Saturday, whatever it is. But you see, when we are praying for boldness, we are not praying for ourselves. Think about that. We are not praying for ourselves when we pray for boldness. We are praying for the benefit of others, that people will benefit in some way from our renewed, restored boldness and courage. The early Christians prayed for boldness so that they could take the life-transforming message of Jesus out there, even though they knew that they would probably be persecuted for it. In last week's talk, I made a reference to uh, an Ian White song, um, When I Feel Afraid. There's a line in it which says... As I quoted last week, a ship that's in the harbor is still and safe from harm, but it was not built to be there. It was made for wind and storm. And I asked the question last week, what sort of Christian life are we living? Are we living a harbor existence? Or is our life, to you know, extend the metaphor, the life on the high seas of faith? <clears throat> and if you're a Christian, that answers that your Christian life is more like a harbor existence, then the prayer, Lord, give me more boldness, I would say is a pretty good prayer to pray. Yeah? Lord, use me today. Use me for your glory. Make me bold. Stir me up. Give me eyes to see those around me in my work, in my community. Lord, give me a sensitive heart and a compassion for those who are hurting. And you pray that prayer. You better sit tight. Because that's a prayer that God is going to answer, if you pray that sincerely. Just watch what happens. I was so blessed on Thursday, as I had the joy of praying with Rose, who became a Christian. (laughs) Come on, you do better than that, you miserable lot. (laughs) And you know what? Within 30 seconds, I don't know if you know this, Ross, but I was listening. Within 30 seconds of leaving my office, she was in the coffee shop boldly telling people, telling Linda uh, that she has just come to faith in Jesus. Wow. Took her 30 seconds. I know some followers of Jesus who haven't managed that in 30 years. Well done. Keep that up. I just love being around new Christians. I don't know about you, absolutely brilliant. They're often far bolder than some of us believers who have journeyed with God through many, many years. They're excited with the new life that Christ has given them and they just want to share it with others. The second thing that these uh, Christians were praying for is um, uh, they were praying uh, for, for, for miracles. Sorry, I have forgot to wind this on a bit. There we go. Look at the second part of that prayer. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. You know, these people were not content praying what I call small prayers. They believed that God could do incredible works of power, of healings, of miracles. They lived in expectation of God at work in their lives and in their community. And yet, if we are really honest with ourselves, on times our prayers are not quite like that. They're not big prayers. Dear God, please be with us today. That's a prayer that is often prayed. Yeah, it's funny, when I hear that prayer being prayed, I often think to myself, if God is in heaven asking the question, why on earth are they praying that? I've already promised to be with them. i promise never to leave them or forsake them. Why are they praying that? I've given them my spirit who lives within them, who is within them all times. Give us traveling mercies, Lord, today. Dear Lord, please bless all the missionaries in Africa. How does God answer a prayer like that? I'm not really sure You know, what are you praying for if that's the kind of prayer that you are praying? And how do we know when God has answered that prayer, if God has answered that prayer? I remember once hearing a story of a man who was in a prayer meeting, and he prayed, as we say, all the way around the world and back again. And his prayer was very general, very cliched, lots of Bible verses, and then someone who was fairly young in the faith shouted out, why don't you ask him something? James 4 verse verse 2. You do not have because you do not ask. And I just wonder if God ever thinks to himself, I wish they would ask me something hard. And when that prayer is answered, everyone gets to know about it. You see, what we pray for reflects what we believe about God. As I look at myself... A lot of confession this morning, isn't there? Uh, I think that probably I'm a mixture of the good, the bad, and the indifferent. A mixture sometimes, on the rare occasions of of, of great faith, and a lot of the time of the the ramblings of a weak and inadequate faith, praying for things that I have no kind of assurance that God has heard my prayer, is going to answer. And some of you might be able to relate to that this morning. And that's the tension that I often live in. And I'm not ashamed to tell you that. I'm not ashamed to tell you about my weaknesses and my failures and my failings. I told you some stories about that last week as well. I feel very okay about doing that. I'm not threatened by the fact that you haven't got a perfect pastor. You didn't know that, did you? Yeah. And... I always much, much, much prefer talking about my failures and my weaknesses than I do of my successes and my, my strengths. But if you'll allow me just for a moment, I want to tell you of something that happened 15 years ago when I prayed the boldest prayer I have ever prayed in my life and then responded to what I believe God showed me in the boldest possible way that I could. Some of you know this story, some of you may not, certainly if you're newer to the, the church family. The background was that the Manor House Centre had been running for a few years and our congregation was, was, was growing and we were actually growing out of our then buildings and we needed to do something quite radical. And we tried on two occasions to take uh, plans to the, the, the borough council and they refused us on allowing us to build. A third set of plans was accepted in January 2002. Thank you Bob Wood for those. Uh, Bob wasn't a Christian when he did those plans, but three days after the plans were accepted, Bob was a Christian. And that was a wonderful, 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 wonderful icing on the cake as well. But what we planned is what we have today really. It was a massive four-phase extension Phase one was to put an industrial uh, kitchen and office space. Phase two was uh, an annex. Phase three was a 64-place day nursery on two floors. And phase four was to extend this auditorium and create another 140 seats. Uh, We were given five years to commence this building work, and the the cost of it was going to be in hundreds of thousands. And everything was fine, it really was. There was only one very small uh, quite minor problem, we didn't have any money. Just, just a small problem. And uh, we had five years from January 2002 after we'd received the, the, the full planning permission. A couple of months later, in spring 2002, I was speaking to a man named Lyndon Baring. Put a picture of him up on screen. Lyndon's the... Um, executive director of CARE and uh, CARE is a Christian organization working in London and has great influence in the corridors of power, particularly uh, in in, in parliament. And um, we were just talking and I was talking to Lyndon about the plans that we had for for this church and um, he was very excited, very encouraging as he always is. And I thought, I'm gonna grab this opportunity. I'm gonna invite him to speak at our opening ceremony. I told him that it may be many years down the road. It may not uh, happen for quite a while yet, but I know because he was such a busy man, uh, to ask him there and then, he could at least register that thought. And he he very graciously accepted, and I promised to let him know as and when the the buildings were uh, progressing. Roll on a few months. Uh, I was in my office, I was uh, reading, thinking, praying, it was the 26th of June uh, 2002, I can be as specific as that. And that afternoon, I I remember praying, Lord, please make a way possible for us, for our much needed extensions, because we had outgrown the place. And then I got this idea, it just came out of the blue, I didn't hear a voice from heaven, No angels appeared to me. I had no out-of-body experience or anything like that. It was an idea. I believe it was a God idea, but it just came. Get in touch with Lyndon, this idea. Get in touch with Lyndon and come and ask him to speak at the grand opening of the church next year. It was already June. My response was, but Lord, we don't have any money to get the project started. How can we have an opening ceremony this time next year. And Lord, even if we were to get that money, it would take at least a year to, to build all these new extensions. And I was having this conversation. I can't remember if it was out loud or in my head, but it was, it was a real hard thing. And then I remembered the story, the Old Testament story of the Levites who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant and they were to cross a flooded river Jordan. And the, the river remained flooded until they actually physically put their first foot in it and the waters parted. You see, the waters parted only when they got their feet wet. And I sensed God was asking me to be bold and to trust Him with this one and to get my feet wet. So I wrote a letter that same afternoon, straight away, before I had the opportunity to come to my senses and realise how foolish I was, to write a letter to Lyndon. And I've got this letter here, actually, a copy of this letter. I'd like to, and by the way, if you would like to come and have a read of it afterwards, I'll leave it there. You can have a read of that. I'm sure Lyndon won't mind. But this is what it said. It was the 26th of June, 2002. Dear Lyndon, it was a pleasure to meet you in this year's ELIM conference. I was the guy who brought the proposal to conference regarding blah, blah, blah. You're not interested in all of that. Your words to me later that day were a great encouragement. Thank you. I know that much water has passed under the bridge since then, but I asked on that occasion if you would speak at an opening of an extension of our church and community facilities once built. You kindly agreed. We have received full planning permission for a four-phase extension costing in the region of 500000 It was actually 800,000. This will provide us with a kitchen extension, extra office, community rooms, a day nursery for 64 children, and an extension of 140 seats on our church building. Presently, we do not have any guaranteed finance. However, and I know that this sounds extremely wacky, I believe that we can raise the finance and even finish the building by this time next year. With this in mind, would it be possible for you to provide me provisionally a Saturday and Sunday in May or June 2003? If this is okay with you, perhaps I could give you an update on things later in the year. At least by that time, I will know whether the strict timetable is feasible. If not, perhaps you would be willing to reschedule for later in the year. There are a few other paragraphs in that letter, and as I say, please come and have a read if if you wish to do that. I posted it. I waited. About a week later, Lyndon telephoned me and said that he realized what was going on here and he wanted to stand in faith with us that, and believe that God was somehow in this and he wanted to stand with us and that um, he gave me a date for the following year. What happened next was quite remarkable. It seemed as though our faith response to what God was showing us Just opened the windows of heaven. Money started coming in from everywhere. 12,000. 10,000. 20,000. 56,000. 152,000. 56,000 again. Another 20 and so forth. 440,000 pounds. Came in. Which is pretty good down payment. And it was a time that we were just living under an open heaven. You see. We needed to put back that date uh, of the opening for a few months, and it wasn't anything to do with me. It was God who did this. He's the hero of the story, not me, okay? Less than 24 months later, we got all the money that we needed, we got tenders put out, we employed a building contractor, we got the work done, which took 15 months in all, and had our open celebration where Linden spoke. You see, the Lord could have opened the Jordan River before the nation of Israel walked into it, but he didn't. He wanted them to get their feet wet. God could have given us all the money without any steps of faith on our part. But God loves it when he includes us in his plans. He loves it when we can trust him and dare to believe in his greatness and in his goodness. A story. There are many stories. Another quick story, if I may. Very, very, very different from the last one. A few weeks ago, we were having our alpha course, and uh, my word, it was a great alpha course. Uh, not as many as the, the first one that we ran here, but it was, it was still great. And uh, one group member uh, throughout the course just kept asking questions. In fact, he asked probably 20 questions a night, isn't that right Chris? <laughs> about 20 questions a night and, uh, and at the start he, he spoke of himself as um, very very cynical to the, the whole Christian faith but then on the, the very last evening that we met together right at the end of the evening I said right you know anybody like to just tell us some stuff about Alpha and how, what you've thought of it and and Chris, bless him, said, "Yeah." He said, uh, "I was very cynical at the start, and I've learned a lot." He said, I, "I think I'm halfway there." Your words, wasn't it? "I think I'm halfway there," meaning that uh, he'd had a much better understanding of spiritual uh, things, and he did at the start of the course, but he was um, he was not there yet. Just after that, I, I I finished the evening with a prayer. There was no music. There was no emotion raised it was just very quiet and it was just matter of fact we were in a small group and I prayed for each person in the group and as I was praying for Chris I prayed that Chris might know God's love and for the Holy Spirit to reveal himself to Chris and before I finished praying in fact I was shocked more than anyone else Chris just came out and he was just saying that how overwhelmed he was with God and how God had filled him and there were tears and he's not the tears kind of guy and there were joy and there were hugs. He's not, you're not the kind of hugs guy either, are you, you know? I've just this over, overwhelming sense, overwhelming sense of well-being and I looked around and everybody else in the group was in tears, seeing firsthand at what God was doing. And speaking to Chris just a couple of weeks ago, Chris said that um, uh The answers to his questions just don't seem to be important anymore. And the reason for that was that he had experienced the presence of God. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus Now I am very aware this morning that this message is as much for me as it probably is for any of you here and my prayer is Lord let me be bold in in my praying and uh, let me not be afraid to ask the seemingly impossible things of you and as I was uh, preparing this talk today I was also reminded, just just came to mind as uh, I got to this point in my preparation, of a story that we listened to on the Alpha course and there were many wonderful stories and it was a quite remarkable story because of God's healing power. Now if you've seen this before uh, I'm sure you won't mind seeing it again and for those this morning listening on podcast uh, the hyperlink for this video is in the life group notes. So sit back for a few moments and just uh, enjoy this story from a Canadian lady. Thank you guys.
1: It was a Friday night and I remember the middle of the night waking up and being quite delirious, literally spilling a glass of water in my bedroom, uh, trying to make it to the bathroom because I was going to be ill and just not even understanding what was going on. And it was quite scary actually. And I remember waiting till the next morning before I said to my husband, I think I should go to the hospital. I didn't realize when I went into the hospital, I would not be coming out for quite some time. I remember the doctor coming in to me, and being quite severe looking, you know, very sort of serious about what he had to tell me. And he went on to tell me that I have something called fungal meningitis, and the form of it is actually called cryptococcus gattii, And it was as strange as it sounded. A fungal ball had already um, started to grow on my brain. It was 1.3 centimeters at the base of my brain stem, and it was... um, replicating itself at a really high rate, and that's the danger with this particular disease, is that uh, it gets to a point where it's big enough, which is three centimeters, that the only way to get rid of it is to have surgery on your brain, and no one wants that. And they told me not only would I be in the hospital for eight weeks, I would be on antifungals for two years after that. For the first three nights, I would find myself late at night at about 11 o'clock, lying in my hospital bed and I would just have panic attacks. I was actually having a deeply physical response to um, this knowledge that I could die. Lots of people were praying for me, lots and lots of people. And uh, I was so grateful for their prayers. I was grateful for the wonderful medical care I had. But I remember on Friday, and it happened to be Easter weekend, so Good Friday, my minister for my church offered to come in and pray with us and we accepted that invitation. And he came and he prayed for me and he said, I think God may wanna heal you. And so it was a Friday afternoon that he prayed for me and I was scheduled for an MRI on the Tuesday following. I feel like I had very little faith for miraculous healing. It's not because I didn't believe it was possible. I just thought it would probably happen for other people. It would never happen to little old me in Vancouver. I went into the MRI machine and the next day I got the results and I don't think I will ever forget the day. And I can see the doctor's face rushing into our room and saying, are you ready to go home? And Ryan and I were quite confused. You know, we'd sort of set ourselves up for, we're here for eight weeks. It was at five and a half weeks. And we said, yes, why? And he said, has no one given you your MRI results? We said, no, nobody's come in yet. He said, We can't find it. And I said, what do you mean you can't find it? He said, your fungal ball has completely disappeared. I can't find a trace of it. It's as if it never existed. And I said, not even the little scar on my brain? He said, nothing. It's completely gone. You can go home today. And I remember the moment, because my husband just fell into my lap, laughing crying. I was laughing. And I said to this doctor, who I don't believe had a Christian faith like I did, I said to him, I believe God healed me. He kind of shrugged and said, I don't have an explanation. And literally, I went home that day. I have never known that kind of joy. But also, I also know that I've never experienced that depth of gratitude.
0: Wow. So does God always heal? Does God always give us what we ask for? No, not at all. He's a sovereign God. He is the one who knows all things. And during our time here on planet Earth, there will be pain and illness and death. But there's coming a time when all of those things will be no more. But it isn't yet. And the occasional miracles and healings that we see now in this life, in this world... I would say are a little bit like an occasional warm day in spring when you're tempted to think that summer has come, but in the following days and weeks, um, it's cold and rainy. God's kingdom is a little bit like that. There are times when God just breaks through and it's amazing, and it's a sign that summer is yet to come. Summer is on its way, but it ha- hasn't got here quite yet. The kingdom of God it was inaugurated by Jesus, his first coming, and we often see. Miracles and healings and answered prayers, but there is coming a day when God's kingdom will come in its fullness, where there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, and God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. We're going to conclude in a few moments' time, but we're going to do it in a little bit of a different way today. Um, Knowing that I was going to be speaking on this uh, subject this morning on uh, bold prayers and prayers that you've got answered. I've asked uh, Martin and uh, Sue to come and share some stories uh, with us of some experiences that they've had of bold prayer and uh, a bold prayer that was answered. Martin, if you'd like to come first. Thank you.
2: Thank you. Thank you, Steve. Um, I alluded to this um, a few weeks ago when I was facilitating the morning service while Steve and Julie were away. So if you were there at that service, forgive me. I just, but I want to be specific about one particular detail of that. Um, it, it, it relates to the fact that I, I, I think I said to you three or four weeks ago that I was doing some of the things that Stephen has alluded to this morning. My prayers had become rather sort of general. Well-intentioned, heartfelt, but general, Particularly with regard to the needs of my family and in one of those occasions of prayer I felt in the same way as Stephen has described a very strong indication in my own head that I needed to be specific Which I was not accustomed to doing and in the case of my son-in-law Tim who's married to my elder daughter Liz the specific nature of my request was that he would eventually find a job that recognized and rewarded his character and his gifts. Since he'd come back from mission in Mozambique, he'd had a very rough time. He'd had difficulty finding work at all, spent a long time unemployed. He'd even tried high-rise scaffolding work in London just to earn some money. Um, He'd had two jobs and he was in one, which was very unrewarding. It was, he was doing very well at it. He was recognized as the best uh, person in the role, which was placing difficult children in apprenticeships. He was the best one in the role, and yet, the scheme that was supposed to reward him for that was being maneuvered all the time, and he was never earning enough money to keep his family. And he was very down. He was, he'd lost faith in himself, and I'd never seen him so depressed. And I, and he tried to get other work, and he couldn't. Nothing was coming, and he'd applied for 40 or 50 different jobs. And often, no reply even. And I, with those thoughts in my head, and with this nudge to be specific, I prayed that evening on a Tuesday night, please God, will you bring work to Tim, so that he hasn't got to go and find it, will you bring it to him, a job that recognizes who he is, and what he's capable of. And that was the prayer. On the Saturday, we went to Bristol, we've been going a lot, as you, some of you may know. And I went down to Bristol with my wife, and we went to the children's school fair. Very typical primary school event, tombola, bring them by, bric-a-brac, you name, it, that sort of stuff. And we were in the playground, and the former vice chair of the governors came up to Tim, a lady, and she said, Tim, how are you doing? And he just said, well, I'm coping, Mary, I'm coping. And she said, Tim, will you go over and see... Neil, the headmaster. Um, And Neil knows Tim because he was a governor before they went to Africa. Go and have a word with Neil. He may have something that you'll be be interested in. So Tim wandered off across the playground, and I saw him way across the playground, and he talked to the headmaster for ages. And he came back and he said, that's really odd. He's mentioned that he's got a job, and he wants me to apply for it. I said, what is it? He said, well, it's a member of his senior management team. They want me... He's interested in me applying to be what's called a school business leader. He said, I don't even know what a school business leader is," But I've got to find out. And he had said to Neil, the headmaster, well, I don't know anything about this. He said, I'm not interested in someone who can do the detail. I'm interested in somebody of character, somebody who is a leader, somebody who will inspire the team. I want somebody I can trust, somebody of integrity, And I know that's you. And then he added, but we're a local authority school. I am not the only person interviewing. There is a panel. It's an open application process. You must apply if you're interested, and we'll see. Four days, he said. It's four days before the date of closure. So Tim applied within four days. A week later, there were the interviews. And he is on Tuesday, this Tuesday coming, he is starting as the school business leader.
0: Thank business. You. What a wonderful coincidence. <laughs> Not. Sue, please. Thank
3: you. Well, my bold prayer was a Sunday morning, very similar to this one, and it was communion time, and as sometimes happens, people were asked if they'd like to come forward for prayer. And I was standing, I remember, we were standing over that side, fairly close to Steve. When this lady came in that I'd never seen before, she came up to us. She was very obviously pregnant, but very obviously distressed. She was so tearful. And eventually she told us that the baby she was carrying was severely brain damaged. And we prayed. And I remember there was nothing wishy-washy about the prayer. I remember we prayed for this baby to be healed. And I can see, I can't normally remember any prayer I've prayed, but this one, God told me about Psalm 139, that he knew this baby while the baby was still there. So we prayed, and she left, and I thought, well, that's probably that. We prayed for the child to be healed. And then shortly after came an email sent to church to Steve, and it was from Nadine, the girl, and she said she'd been for a scan and that there was no evidence whatsoever of brain damage. The baby was here. Isn't our God awesome? Isn't he incredible? That's not the end. There's more. She was the daughter of a person who later became a friend, Ills. And Nadine, we still keep in touch. And before she left, they now live in Spain, but before she left, she said, Sue. Since Gabriella started school, she's been uh, told by the t- teachers in the school that she's gifted and talented. She was told this child would not be normal. Well, she wasn't, she was gifted and talented. So God overcompensated. How awesome is He? But there's still more. Because even this last week, an email came through to me to say they now live in Spain and Gabriella is 10. And it came through that she had been seen by educational psychologists because of her aptitude. She learnt two languages in three months, which is fairly good going, and she's completely and totally off the scale, which means she's off the scale for her age group. She's two or three years in advance of where she should be. This is just amazing, and I thought, you know, our God is able to do immeasurably more than we can ever ask or even imagine, according to his power in us. There's a scan of a brain-damaged baby, and I later found out she was brain-damaged in more than one place. Also, I only found out this last week that she had a heart condition as well. All gone. When God does stuff, God does stuff. (laughs) It was nothing to do with Stephen or my prayer. He was probably eloquent, but I certainly wasn't. We were just conduits for our God to work a miracle. And there's a bit more still. Can I have the next one, Tim, please? There's Gabriella at one year old. She looks very normal to me. There's the family. And the icing on the cake was, Nadine was the only one who was a Christian within that family. Her husband was quite against it, Fernando. And while they were in Spain, he too became a Christian. So did the children. <laughs> and one last one. How cute is she? How amazingly cute. I don't think we can get it to go up, can we? Sorry, Dan help me with that one. But we've, uh, it was me, probably I did something wrong. But she is so cute. That's beside it. But God is awesome. He can do
0: anything. That's lovely. Thank you. (laughs) We just want to encourage your faith this morning by telling you some stories. It's great to have um, stories like the one that we uh, looked at on film, you know, Lady in Canada. But, you know, this is within our own local church family. God is at work. So recapping very quickly, what we pray for reflects what we believe about God. And just two questions for us this morning. Are we prepared to ask God for greater boldness? Are you up for that? And are we prepared to start asking God for the hard things, the really big things? And we're going to pray now. and Invite the the band back. We're going to pray. So what we're going to do, we're going to pray boldly. We're going to come with our bold prayers before God. You see, it was the end, as um, Sue as was just saying in a moment, the end of a Sunday service some years ago that Nadine came up for prayer with her, for her unborn child who was uh, very, very serious physical needs, brain damage, and God met her. And Gabrielle is, is born perfect and exceptionally talented. You see, nothing is beyond God's ability. Yes? Nothing. God laughs at impossibility. I know we don't do this every Sunday, but um, I would like to invite this morning when we are singing, uh, people to the front, we have a ministry team here this morning and we would like to stand with you and pray. It may be physical needs that you have. It may be physical needs of someone that, that you know. It may be that you are living presently this harbor existence as a Christian and you don't want that. You want to venture out on the high seas of faith and you just want someone to stand with you and pray with you and we would consider that an absolute privilege to do that this morning. Maybe you want to become bolder and more courageous in your faith. Maybe some other hard request, financial issues. Loved ones who are rebellious, you know, and that that's tough, you know, for, for parents. You know, when you when you, when your kids who you love dearly are in that sort of rebellious state with God and are just walking in the opposite direction and nothing is good enough for you. It's very, very hard times. And this morning you just might want may want someone to come alongside you and pray with you. And in a sense, yes, you could pray where you you are this morning, but I do get a sense that God is just asking us to be a little bit bolder than that today. And it's almost a, a demonstrative act because I know that some of you are very shy people and you like staying where you are. And let me just go a little bit further than that and say that the boldest prayer of all is the prayer that Rose prayed earlier on this week. It's the prayer inviting Jesus into our lives. It is the prayer of saying Lord for the rest of my life I'm going to walk your ways I'm committing myself and my life to you and there may be some here this morning who that is a a very real prayer for you that you have been very much on the outskirts of the Christian faith looking in but you have never experienced truly experienced God's love and his power at work within your life yes again You could pray that prayer where you are sat. But I'm asking you this morning, that if you're meaning business and you really mean that prayer, to come out and allow one of the the leaders just to stand with you, much in the way that I was privileged to do with Rose just a few days ago, and say, Jesus, come please. We're going to sing a song. Come on, guys, come back. It's uh, God is here in your presence. There is fullness of life. And healing flowing from body, soul and mind. God of miracles, God of the impossible is here. God is here. Let the broken hearted rejoice. Let the sick say, I am well. So as we do this, please, let's stand, shall we? Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you that you are, are here. Lord, we are assured of your presence today, and we thank you that we, even though we're not deserving, we are in the presence of Almighty God. Come by your power, we pray, Lord, by your Spirit's power. This is not us, it's not us trying to wind up some situation uh, on touching emotion, but Lord, we are your children, and we come in faith, Lord, and we believe you are able to do great things in this place today but we ask this in your name please let's all stand shall we please